And uh, it's exciting to be able to be in, in church and in the presence of God with all of you. Amen. See what God wants to do today in our midst. What an exciting time. Amen. Amen. I'm going to take just a minute. I'm going to let you be seated. And I'm going to ask for Seppe and William and Krista to come. They were baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost last Sunday. Amen. We want to recognize and give them their certificates today. I noticed when they came in today, their smiles were even bigger. Amen. They, some of them, sometimes they come in smiling, but today, man, they came in, big old smiles. So, amen. Amen. God is good all the time. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them, say, you're in the right place. You could have been somewhere else today, but you're in the right place. Amen. For those of you that don't know and those maybe that are watching online, I am A.J. Dummett. I'm the lead pastor here at the Crossroads, and we want to welcome all of you and all those of you who are watching us today online. And uh, most of the time, people check us out online before they come. How many of you checked us out online before you actually came to service? Look at that. Boom. There's two or three hands went up right away. Uh, whenever somebody is checking out a church anymore, it's kind of like, you know, when you're house hunting. You've already been in the house because you saw it online before you got to the house. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, you Zillow people. I know. I know. I've got one that's uh, in my house. She's been in every house in the neighborhood, you know. She's, she's like, and this one has this, and this one has that. And it's the same way when people check out churches. A lot of times they'll check them out online first and see, do they have an online presence? What service kind of going to be like? So guess what? That means you guys have a responsibility. Because if all they hear is me and there's no response to the word, then it kind of goes, yeah. right? But when there's a response to the word and there's an agreement in the house, faith rises. Amen. Even online, faith rises. Amen. So I want to thank you for being with us today. I do want to ask you, if you would, turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 8. We're going to read just a couple of scriptures here today as we get into the word of the Lord. Amen. Mark chapter 8, we're going to read verses 36 through 38. And it reads like this, it says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You can do a lot of things in life can achieve a lot, but if you do all that at the expense of your soul, then it's, it's not going to work. In verse 37, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What is your soul worth? And then verse 38, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. It's important for us to notice 
Jesus tells us that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God, right? With all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And we want to look at what it means to be a disciple and how we can actually fulfill what Jesus told us to do. One of the main reasons that we want to look into this today is because our soul is the most important thing in our lives. There's nothing more important than your soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So we're talking about soul activity. What does your soul activity look like today? What does it look like this week? And when our soul activity is where it should be, our heart will have no room for other idols. Our soul will dedicate all decisions that will decide we're going to give glory to God with everything and our minds will be centered on Jesus. Our strength will be put to use by showing charity to our community. And Jesus states we're, we're supposed to love Him with all of our heart. We're supposed to love Him with all of our soul and with all of our mind. Everybody say, my mind. Loving God with our mind means we both focus on His ways and we take time to know what we believe and why we believe it. I, I don't know about you, but... It's kind of embarrassing when people ask you, you know, what you believe and you don't know. What, what, is, what does the scripture say about and, and I don't know? That's, a, that's an embarrassing place to be. So this is what we're going to do today. We're going to focus on how do we love the Lord with all of our mind? Because that's part of it. You know, it's not just loving him emotionally, passionately, but the scripture said, Jesus said, love him with all of your mind. I don't know about you, but to me, that's a challenge because my mind has a way of just anybody else know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm good Sunday at church, my mind's good most of the time, <laughs> except for when the preacher's boring, you know, and then my mind goes, oh, well. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, somebody say the peace, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You got some help with this. You're not alone in this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. There's a lot of stuff that he left out of that list. Right? I'm not going to go into all of what he left out, but there's a lot of stuff he left out that y'all are thinking about. And he said, you need to flip that script. You need to think on these things. Don't think on those things. Think on these things. Get fear, anxiety, doubt. Come on, somebody. Don't, that's not in the list. Somebody say, if it's not in the list, I don't want to think about it. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would speak to us today, that you would touch us through your word, and God, that we would let our minds be in tune with you, and that we would love you with all of our minds before this service is over today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated. 
He said, these things which ye have both learned and received and seen in me do, and the peace of God shall be with you. I want to have the peace of God in my life. If I want the peace of God in my life, I have to love him with all my mind. If I'm not loving him with all my mind, then I am opening the door for the peace of God to depart. Because if I allow hatred or fear or doubt or anxiety to be the main focus of my mind, and I'm worrying about uh, things that may never even happen, then I allow that intimidation factor to come into my life. But Jesus said, there's an answer for that. There's a cure for that. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. He says, you need to make up your mind. Whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever person that comes and talks to you, you're always ready to say how good God is. You're always ready to say, man, my God is awesome. My God is glorious. There's nobody like my God. I've got a made-up mind. I'm going all the way with Jesus. Amen. The mind that follows Jesus should strive both to think of Christ and to think like Christ. In every situation. We've got this passage of Philippians and it teaches us that when our mind is focused on the things of God, it's easier to rejoice and it's harder to be anxious. Some of us wonder why we're so anxious. It's because of what we're thinking about. I'm depressed. Well, what are you thinking about? I'm anxious. What are you thinking about? And some, well, you don't know. I've got a sickness. I've got a disease. I've got this problem in my family. I've got this issue in my finances. But what are you thinking about? Is your problem bigger than your God or is your God bigger than your problem? And that's where we get into trouble because our minds, uh, R.C. Sproul says, our minds have been corrupted by sin. That, that doesn't mean that our ability to think has been annihilated. It's, you know, the best world thinkers that we have can still spot errors of logic without being born again. It's not that you can't think. You don't have to be regenerated in order to get a PhD in mathematics. The fallen mind retains the ability to follow formal augmentation to a degree, but that ends when discussion about the character of God begins. Because that's where uh, the bias is so severe and hostility is so great that many of the most brilliant people of our time stumble. They can't get it. The Bible says it's enmity. Their, their mind is at war with God. Their mind is at war with the, the things of God and the principles of God. In fact, if a person begins their thinking by refusing to acknowledge what they know to be true, that there is a God, the more brilliant they are, the further from God reasoning will take them. Any consideration of the human mind, therefore, must begin with the understanding that by nature, the mind does not love God at all. And it will not love God at all unless the Holy Spirit changes its disposition immediately and sovereignly to set the affections of our mind on Him. Amen. When the scripture is talking about our heart, most time it's talking about the seat of our emotions. Our mind is the seat of our emotions. It makes the decisions on what is going to happen. And so regeneration is the necessary condition for loving God with all of our minds. 
Without it, there's no love of God. We don't have the Holy Spirit. We don't have His power on the inside of us. There's only so far we can go. So we must get rid of this idea that's popular in our evangelical world that unbelieving people are seekers of God. Some of you are like, hmm, what are you saying? The natural man does not seek after God. Unregenerate people who look like they are seeking after God. Thomas Aquinas said this, they are seeking the benefits only God can give, not God himself. When I ask some people why they wanted to be saved, their first response is usually because I didn't want to go to hell. That is a self-centered response. Right? We, we, we don't want to go to hell, so we need to get saved. And, you know, preachers preach that. And, and you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, put the fear of God in people. Right? That's what we want to do with the, with the, the word. We want to put the fear. But, but here's the thing. Sometimes we, we, we would love for people to, to, to approach God on a higher level, but it's hard for us because our spirits are not regenerated yet. Our lives are, are far away from God, and we're seeking after what God can give us. We're not seeking after God Himself. We want, you know, the Santa in the sky. <laughs> we want, we want the, the man upstairs that gives us good gifts. You know, every good and per- Oh, yes, thank you, God, for all the good gifts. We want to be blessed, 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 blessed. We, we want all these great things, but do we want God? Because when we get God, see, when God comes into our life, things have to change. Like behaviors, attitudes, uh, thinking, it all has to change because there's something about God that is holy, that is righteous, that changes the way that we live our lives. And so we've got to seek after God and not just His benefits. But all of the minds... Antipathy toward God is not eliminated the moment we get born again. I wish that was the case. After regeneration for the first time in our lives, when we're born again, filled with His Spirit, baptized in Jesus' name, we are disposed to the things of God rather than against them. This is our very first exposure. We're exposed to how it could be. Our minds start to say, whoa, there's a different kind of life here. There's something more than what I've ever experienced before. And it's at that moment we are given a desire to have God in our thinking rather than despising the idea of having God in our thinking. The residual effects of the power of our fallen human condition remain and they are not eliminated entirely until we are glorified in heaven. So for those of you who think, well, if I could just then it will all be over. Well, the only just is if I could just get to heaven and my body be glorified in heaven and I have this this mind, then I would be okay. That's the only way it's going to happen. The whole journey of the Christian life and our sanctification is one in which we are seeking to love God more and more with our minds. With our minds. Somebody say it, with my mind. Oh, this is... This is, a, this is a different kind of message to preach because most times when you go to church, they want to just kind of get you feeling emotionally in tune and they want you to make emotional decisions. 
I want to challenge you on a higher level. I want, to, I want to go right after your mind. And I want to say if we don't get your mind sanctified, if we don't get your mind renewed and regenerated, it doesn't matter what behaviors you change. You're going to go back because your mind is not where it should be. And so we've got to have God in our mind. We've got to seek after Him and want to love Him more with our mind. Jonathan Edwards once said that seeking after God is the main business of the Christian. And how do we seek after God? How do we do that? By pursuing the renewal of our minds. I need a new mind. I need my mind to be renewed. We don't get the love of God from a hip replacement. A replacement. We don't get it from a knee replacement. We don't even get it from a heart transplant. You got somebody that's not saved and they, somebody that is saved is passing away, gives them their heart. You, you don't, it, it doesn't work that way. Even if the saved person had Jesus in their heart, come on somebody, that unsaved person, when they got the heart transplant, would not then, it doesn't transfer, come on now, y'all are, I'm making you think today. No patty cake Jesus today. But the only way that we can be transformed is with a renewed mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us this. A renewed mind results from diligently pursuing the knowledge of God. If we despise doctrine, if we despise knowledge, probably indicates we're still in our fallen condition where we don't want God in our thinking. Because the more we're exposed to, the more that has to change. If we're really truly Christians, we want God to dominate our thinking and fill our minds with the ideas of Himself. We want to see things the way God sees them. Isn't it strange that Jesus says we are called to love God with our minds? We don't usually speak of love in terms of intellectual activity. Most of you, uh, you would probably say, I understand love in the secular culture uh, in these passive categories that we've placed it in. We, we don't speak of jumping in love. We talk about falling in love like it was an accident or something. Oh, I fell in love. I couldn't avoid it. You know, I saw her face and I was a believer, you know. <laughs> there's, so many, there's so many things like, our whole culture is geared to making us think that love is an accident. You know, uh, I, I was talking to my kids not too long ago, and I said, is love at first sight, is that even possible? We came to the conclusion that it's not. Because you can love the way that a person looks, but you can't love that person until you really know that person. And that person, they may have some nice looks, but they may be ugly on the inside. And there is nothing worse than getting into a relationship with a beautiful person that has an ugly inside. Well, can we just talk about love for a second? I want my children to end up with people, not so much that are beautiful on the inside, but I want them to end up with good people. I want them to end up with people who love them. I want them to end up with people who make the choice to love them. And, let me go a little further, that make the choice to love and get along with their family. And if they don't want that, then we'll have to just have a little talk. 
Now, now you say, why is this so important? Here, here's the thing. I, I know that we talk about love in a lot of different ways, but you have to make a choice, and the choice is to love or not to love. And, you know, when you get married, a lot of people, they get married, they first get married, and they have the rose-colored glasses on, right? And, and if you do pre-marriage counseling, which I recommend for everybody that is going to get married, you're going to do marriage, you want to do it the right way, get pre-marriage counseling because it helps take the rose-colored glasses off. Then you can see what you're getting into. Hey, I'm, look, I'm just telling you, it's the safest way. It's the best way. It's not foolproof, but it is the safest way to help you make a great decision. But when you get married... You have to learn certain things. How many of you, uh, you realize after a few years that you did not have the same person living with you that you married? Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. You know, uh, guys get married thinking that their wife is never going to change. And wives get married thinking that their husband is going to change and become everything that they hope for him to be. And they're both deceived. I'm just trying to, look, I'm just trying to help you all today. We talk about love as, it, as an accidental thing, but really love is not an involuntary thing. It's something that we do on purpose based on our knowledge of that person that we love. Nothing can be in the heart that is not first in the mind. It's got to come in the mind. Now, nobody had to tell me uh, whenever my children were born. Nobody had to tell me to love them. I just did. I just did. From the moment that they were born and they took their first cry and I gave them their first bottle, from that very moment, I made a choice. You are mine and I love you. And now God's given me this incredible task of trying to raise them and train them in the fear of God and in the principles of God's Word. And, and I want to do the best that I can do. But guess what? I can tell you that there are times when they have disappointed me, but I still love them. Why? Because I made that choice. Now, if I'm telling them, though, I don't want you just to go out and just choose somebody to love. I want you to get to know them. We need to spend some time with them. We need to get them around the family and see how they are. Well, if they can't put up with the family, then, you know, it's not going to be a good deal. It's going to be miserable for them and miserable for us. Well, <laughs> we want to have an experience of God where we try to bypass our minds. You know, I told somebody yesterday, I said, I want you to be open-minded about the things of God, but not so open-minded your brain falls out. <laughs> I want you to love the Lord with all of your mind. I want you to make the decision, amen, that you love Him with all your mind, but the only way that you can do that is the more you know Him, the more you love Him. We might increase emotion, entertainment, or excitement, but we are not going to increase the love of God because we can't love what we don't know. Hopefully for you, hopefully, the more you got to know your spouse, the more you love them. 
you know. It's great whenever you uh, find out things that you didn't know that you are happy to find out, and you love that kind of stuff, right? It's bad whenever you wake up and you're married to Jekyll and Hyde, and you're like, whoa, wait a second, hold on now. You're not the person that I married, or you're not the person that I thought I was dating. But the more you get to know God, oh, it's, it's great, because he never lets you down. And he's always there, and he always keeps his promises. And there's so much, amen, that he will show you that he wants to do in your life. And let me just say it like this. A mindless Christianity is no Christianity at all. If we want to love God more, we've got to know Him more. And the more we search the Scriptures, the more we focus our minds and our attention on God, on who God is and on what He does, the more we'll understand just a little bit more about Him. And then our souls will break into flame. Amen. And we'll understand God with our minds and we'll love Him with our minds. Because the more you get to know of God, He is the most lovable. He is the greatest. He is the best. You will not miss out on anything by knowing Him more. You will love him more the more you know him amen to love God with our minds to love him with all of our mind means to hold him in high esteem to think about him with reverence and with adoration the more that we love God with our minds the more we'll be driven to do another thing that is very alien to our condition namely to worship him to pursue God with our minds simply for intellectual enjoyment and without the purpose of loving and worship Him is to miss something. It's to miss what it means to love Him with our minds. There are some people that they just want to have the material mastered. They don't want to be in love with the master. We, we've got to understand this. This is, not, uh, this is not something that I'm trying to appeal to you emotionally about. This is something I want you to understand on a very intellectual level. You've got to make the choice to know Him with all your mind if you're going to love Him with all your mind. The more you know Him, the more glorious He will appear to you. And the more glorious He appears to you, the more you will be inclined to praise Him, to honor Him, to worship Him, to give Him the glory. Amen. That's what it's all about. So first of all, we need God's Spirit if we are going to love God with all of our mind. And if, if you have God's Spirit, then I would say, are you allowing His Spirit to speak to you, to deal with you? We don't shut off our brains to receive the Spirit. We, we don't, when we get the Holy Ghost, we don't shut off our brains. We just yield to Him and to His power that is touching our lives. It's tangible. It's something that you can feel. His Spirit is moving on you. It's drawing you. You could not do that if your brain was not engaged. I've heard some preachers say, we just, you just need to shut your brain off. You might need to shut the little analytical over, you know, over-questioning, over-doubting, over-fearing little part of your brain that, you know, is real cynical and skeptical. Yeah, you might have to shut that, but don't shut your whole brain off. You shut your whole brain off, you can't talk, and you have to talk in order to receive the Holy Spirit. you got to be able to speak in tongues as the, the Holy Spirit speaks through you. Amen? Our minds need to focus on God to the best of our ability in order to receive the experience that He has for us. We cannot receive it if we are distracted. That's why you should spit your gum out. You want to get the Holy Ghost? Spit your gum out. And, and furthermore, uh, you might get distracted if you're trying to pray with gum in your mouth. 
because it's hard to talk. I'm just saying. I'm not, look, I'm not condemning you. If, you're, if you chew gum, that's fine. But just when, when you're ready to receive the Holy Spirit, spit that gum out. It's a distraction. You know what? I try to uh, tell people around here, I said, don't, don't be crowding and getting all in them and shaking them this way and that way and uh, one screaming in one ear and one screaming in the other. That's distracting. Why? We, we want to eliminate as many distractions because when you receive the Spirit of God, you got to be able to focus your mind. It's not just a hype emotionally and it just overtakes you and you just say things you don't. No, no, no. You're going to understand what's going on and you're going to feel the Spirit. Amen. It's going to come on you and you're going to be able to speak in a language that you didn't learn at school. It's going to be the most amazing thing. But it's only going to happen if your mind is focused on Jesus Christ. Amen. We've got to use God's reasoning in our lives. And the only way to do that is to have the knowledge of God, of what God says. We can be very easily deceived when we don't truly know what God says about certain areas of our lives. If you've ever taken Bible study, if you've ever done exploring God's Word, you know Eve was deceived, but Adam sinned. Eve was deceived because she didn't actually receive the instruction from God. She received it from Adam. Do you know what God really is saying in your life? There are certain things in your life that that need to change, but do you know what the Word of God says about those things? If you've got questions, don't call somebody else and get the Word from them. You look it up. We'll help you. We'll help you find it in Scripture. But you need to see it for yourself. Amen. The main way for us to get the knowledge of God's desires for our lives is for us to meditate on God and His Word. Now let me explain that a little bit. I want to give you a little bit of practical because sometimes we don't do that. So let me give you a little bit of practical. Uh, There is a link in the e-bulletin today, and it is 17 ways to meditate on Scripture. That's where I'm getting this from. In the e-bulletin, I don't think it's in the regular bulletin, but in the e-bulletin you can find this. All right? There are 17 things that, they, that, that is recommended for us to do that we could meditate on God. So when you're reading the Word of God, number one, emphasize different words in the text. Look at the words, read it, and then read through it again and read different words. Emphasize the different words. There's another thing you can do. Number two, rewrite the text in your own words. That's one of my favorite things to do. What, what does that verse say to you? And then write it out. What is it saying? It's saying, okay. You'll be surprised if you write it out, and then three years later you go back, read the same verse, and write it out again. It'll say something different. God will speak to you through that. Number three, formulate a principle from the text. What is it teaching you? What is that scripture? What is that text teaching you? Number four, think of an illustration of the text. What kind of picture explains what's going on in the text? Number five, look for applications of the text. Can you, do you know any examples of when that's happened? Maybe uh, another place in Scripture or someplace uh, that's happened in, in your life. Uh, number six, ask how the text points to the law or to the gospel. How, how does this point us closer to Jesus? Or how does this point us closer to a, a life with Him? Number seven, ask how the text points to something about Jesus. Number eight, ask what question is answered or what problem is solved by the text, right? Number nine, pray through the text. Have mercy upon me, O God. And blot out my transgressions. Right? Wash me thoroughly from my sin. And cleanse me from all mine iniquity. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. There's, you, can, you can pray through the text. Number 10, memorize the text. This is one of the, my favorite things to tell people. Say, if you've got an issue, you've got a problem in your life, and every day you are tempted to like just let your mind go and think about this thing, you need some scriptures to memorize. And then every time your mind starts to go to that, you pull that scripture back up. And you say that scripture. Nope, this is what the Word of God says. I know this is what my situation says, but the Word of God says... Number 11, create an artistic expression of the text. Yes, Lisa, doodling is fine. Number 12, ask the Philippians for eight questions of the text. True, honorable, right? Just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, praiseworthy. What is it about those, the, the text that is? And then you can think on those things. Number uh, 13, ask the Joseph Hall question of the text. What is it? Define and or describe what it is you're meditating upon. What are its divisions or parts? What causes it? What does it cause? That is, what are its fruits and effects? What is its place, location, or use? What are its qualities and attachments? What is contrary, contradictory, or different to it? What compares to it? What are its titles or names? What are the testimonies or examples of Scripture about it? There's a lot of questions there. Number 14, set and discover a minimum number of insights from the text. I'm going to find, from this verse, I'm going to find three things that's an insight that I maybe I had or I didn't have. Go to the next verse. I'm going to find three things about this verse. Number uh, 15, find a link or common thread between all the paragraphs or chapters that you read. As you read through, make sure that there, what, what are you, what's the whole uh, text saying, what's the whole uh, message of the text that you're reading? Number 16, ask how the text speaks to your current issue or question. Basically, how do you apply that to your life right now? Number 17, use meditation mapping, and you can find out more about that. It's uh, basically how it works, how your mind works. So, after you have the knowledge, after you have meditated, see, this is purposeful. A lot of people, they just do uh, passing glances at the Word of God anymore. They just get these sound clips, uh, these little sound bites and, and little, little bits that they hear on somebody's preaching or on uh, maybe uh, you know, somebody's speaking on television or whatever. And so they take those things. And, and it's crazy because uh, if you are just, if, if the only Bible you ever read is Facebook, you are in trouble. Because that may be, you know, you might get inspired by that. Somebody might put a nice thought or nice scripture. But that is not the way to hear from God because there's a lot of foolishness on Facebook too. That'd be like, I'm going to walk to the mall and if I hear somebody saying something about Jesus, I'm going to take it as God's word for me. Guess what? You're going to hear a lot of other stuff at the mall. You know what? You know where you're going to find what Jesus has for you? Right here. In the word of God. When you come to the, the house of God and you hear the preacher preach or teach, you're going to be able to hear and understand the Scripture. So after we have the knowledge of God, we need to apply it. It does us no good if we know what to do, but we don't do it. The Scripture says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. That means if I know I should do something because God's Word says and I don't do it, then I'm willfully sinning. This is, this, is, this is challenging, right? Because we know. There are certain things we know, but we've chosen to kind of exempt ourselves from those. Well, I know the Scripture says, but I don't know if that really applies to me. What if it does? 
What if it does? I mean, here's the thing. What if, if it doesn't, well, then I guess you're okay. But what if it does? What if the Word of God is inspired by God and it is profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness? What if we actually are supposed to study to show ourselves approved? I mean, what if there is something more required of us than just hearing the Word? If you do not apply it, you will not get any more revelation. When you stop applying, when you fail in the application phase of what you have already received, you won't get any more. God's not going to continue to give you more and deeper revelation if you won't do what you have already been shown you need to do. We've got to have the knowledge, but we also have to apply that. And then what happens is our memories of what God has done should be talked about. It should be useful in helping us know what He is able to do as we move forward. That's how you love God with all your mind. You keep Him in memory. What has God done for you? You know what? You should always be ready to tell somebody what God has done for you. Your, your mind should always be quick and sharp. Do you know, I want to tell you one, this one time when God, and just, just let, them, let them know how good God is. I'm not, telling, I'm not telling you you have to preach to everybody, but everybody here has a testimony. Everybody here has something that God has done for you. You can share how good God is. Our memories help us to love God with all of our mind. And then I want to go here to the end, and this is, this is it. I'm closing. We love God with all our mind by, by being renewed by the Holy Ghost, and, and we, we've got to then, uh, you know, Peter said, save yourselves from this untoward generation. There's, there's more that we have to do than just being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. There's more. We have to go to the Word because it's in the Word, the washing and the regeneration of the Word is what renews our mind. And if our mind's not renewed, then we will eventually go back to the things that we left. So we've got to have our mind renewed. That's why it's so important that we love God, not just with our heart, not just with our emotions, not just with our behaviors, but we love Him with all of our mind. I'm making a conscious choice. I want to know everything there is to know about God. I'm making a, a decision today. I want to honor God with my mind. I want to go after Him with all of my mind. I want to know everything that I can know, not just for the purpose of knowing it, but so that I can love Him more, so that I can see Him more at work in my life, so that I can see Him more at work in my family, so that I can have His wisdom and His guidance of how to raise my children and how to help my grandchildren and how to be good to my neighbors and how to treat my co-workers. I, I, wanna, I want to love Him with all my mind so that it empowers me to be the person He wants me to be because I can't do it unless I have my mind renewed by His Word. I've got to make that choice to love Him with all of my mind. And my memories are going to, going to help me not just to remember but to tell everybody about what He's done. I'm always going to be ready to give my testimony to answer for the hope of my calling. And then there's just one last place. And we sometimes we leave this out. This is, I've got to tell you, the other parts are kind of disciplined. This, this part I really like. This last part where I believe it takes honoring God with all of our mind is in our imagination. 
Let me just talk to you for just, just a minute. God gave you the incredible gift of an imagination. My wife has an overactive imagination. She has the most incredible, am I telling the truth, Donna? She has the most incredible imagination. Now, here's the thing. You might be sitting there and think, I, you know, I have an imagination, and you start imagining all kinds of crazy things, right? You know, uh, you, you think the moment you step your foot into the ocean that the shark is going to get it. That, that is your imagination. That is not fact. That is your imagination. And then that way, when you wade out a little further and you're not worried about the shark so much anymore because you've seen there's no, there are no fins and this water isn't... And then all of a sudden, the seaweed brushes your leg and your leg. <laughs> That's your imagination. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And your imagination, you know, uh, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on with your imagination. You, you're at the house late at night, and you hear, you know, <laughs> you hear, boom, boom, boom. You're like, oh, what is going on? And your, your mind starts uh, telling you things, you know, in your imagination. You see, you know, you got these boogeymen coming in the window and, uh, you know, they left the window open. And, then, and you just, all these things, right? And some of you, I'm just going to, I want to help you, okay? Some of you, you lay in bed at night and you imagine the worst things possible for your life and your family. You imagine that the devil's going to win, and you imagine that things are not going to be good, that financially you're going to be in ruin, physically you're going to be in ruin, relationally you're going to be in ruin, and you start letting your imagination carry you away. But the Scripture said if there's anything that's true, if there's anything that's pure, if there's anything that's lovely, if there's a, come on, you've got to put fear out of your mind. You've got to make a decision. I'm only going to think good thoughts. I'm only going to let my imagination go one way. And that's how good is my God. How great is He. There's nobody like Him. Nobody can do what He can do. I know my, my situation may be in a mess right now. I know there may be some chaos in my life and in my family right now. But I'm going to know that he can do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask or think I'm going to acknowledge him with my mind and I'm going to say he's able to do it and even if I can't think it he's able to do more than I can think if I can't imagine it he can do more than I can imagine I'm going to love the Lord with all my mind now I'm going to I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm closing but if you can go ahead and stand so that way you'll know I'm closing if you can Turn your imagination to what can God do? What is He able to do? Now, I'm afraid of what's going to happen, but what is this going to set up for God to do? I don't, I don't have the answer. Some of you, you're wondering, you're saying, you're saying, but pastor, why did this happen? And why did this happen? Why did we, do, why did we lose this person? And why did that happen? And, 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 and why isn't this fixed? And why isn't that taken care of? I, I don't know. But this is what I know. I will lose my mind if I think the worst. I will lose my sanity if I let my imagination carry me away to that dark place. But if I'll say, you know what, God, your word says that I'm the head and not the tail. Your word says that you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. Come on, somebody. Your word says that I'm more than a conqueror. 
Come on, I know, God, that you love your people. You love your church. This is your church. I imagine you can do whatever you want to do. God, if you want to pay for this building, if you want to find us a different place, whatever you want to do, I imagine, God, I imagine that you can heal. I imagine that you can deliver. God, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know when it's going to take place. But with all my mind, God, I'm going to imagine that you can do greater things. Greater things. Greater things. I'm not going to let my mind be in the gutter. I'm going to think on these things. I'm going to choose to not think about those things because those things are bringing me down. Amen. They're keeping me from seeing God in the way that I should see God. So today I'm going to think on these things. I'm going to think on greater things. I'm going to see what God wants to do in my life and in my family. Now, I told you, I'm not trying to hype you emotionally. This has got to be an intellectual choice. Because in church, you're going to feel like, oh, yes, he can do it. And then when you go face your giant, when you step into the ring with your giant tomorrow, you're going to have to make the choice of, am I just going to cower down? Am I going to just start believing the worst? Or am I going to say, God, you can do this. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I know things aren't like I want them to be, but I'm going to praise you in advance. I'm going to worship you. My relationships are going to get worked out. My finances are going to get fixed because I'm going to put you first in my mind. I'm going to love you with all of my mind. Amen. Amen. I want my imagination to show me what God is able to do. And he said that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think you better think as big as you can think you better think big things think those big things because whatever you can think it he can do bigger he can do greater he can do better I'm not making it up, and I'm not trying to stir you up to a hype level, but I want you to understand when the Word of God says He can do. Come on now. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all I could ask or think. That means God wants to blow my mind. That means God wants to blow your mind. He wants you to think as big as you can think, and then, and then he wants to come in and say, watch this. Oh, you thought, you thought I could only do that? Watch this. Well, Krista, he wants to blow your mind. William, he's blowing your mind, isn't he? What happens whenever God starts doing something that you thought was not even possible? Oh, then you should love him more with all your mind. God, I want to know you more. I know what you can do. I've seen what you can do. I know what you're able to do. Now let me just ask you, what in your life, what is God able to do for you? If you'll make the choice to love him with all your mind, what could he do for you? Okay, now I'm going to flip the script. What if once he does save you, deliver you, heal you, what if he says, now what are you going to do for me? And what if his very purpose is to accelerate you into being used for Him in a greater way. That's what it's going to take if we love the Lord our God with all of our mind. He's going to use us like never before. 
and we're going to see things happen that we never dreamed possible. I want to tell you, this altar's open today. If you need to have a rearranging and a renewal in your thinking, you need to have some thoughts that turn back to God, then this altar's open. You need to step out of your seat. Don't, don't weep and cry. I want you to come down here and pray and say, God, I trust you. I'm going to love you with all of my mind. I'm going to give you everything today, God. I'm not going to hold anything back. Lord, I know that you're able. You can do exceeding abundantly above all I ask or think. So God, I want to trust you for what you can do in my life. I surrender it to you right now. I give you all of my mind. I give you all of me, Jesus. Hallelujah.